That's good news right there. And greater works. Somebody said greater works. Then these he will do because why? I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be, here's my Wednesday night crowd, glorified in the Son. We talked about the glorification of Jesus Christ and the glory that he then gives to us. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. That'll preach right there. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper comforter, advocate, and he may abide. Somebody say abide. My first Pentecostal song I ever learned in church, he abides. We sung it every service. We didn't know but three songs and we want, we want to see people get up and move. We sung he abides. Anybody remember that song? I, I, Brother LaCroix remembers. I got a few people. That was my song. That was our go-to on Sunday night. If you wasn't raised in Pentecost, you don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Somebody say amen. amen. One more verse. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. That last verse. I come to let somebody know today you are not alone. Amen. I may preach a simple thought this morning following up tonight with greater depths of truth concerning Pentecost. I may only preach 20 minutes. But for somebody in this house, I've got to let you know today that the Holy Spirit has, has assigned me to let you know that you are not alone on your job, in your marriage, at the funeral home. No matter what you're going through right now, he still abides. He is still the comforter. He is still the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Amen. Stretch your hand this way. Let's believe God. Brother Joy, would you pray for the body that they would have ears to hear this morning, please? Amen. You may be seated. No man has ever spoke like this. We have been using this verse of Scripture. When the sent out the temple guards to go arrest Jesus. And when they got to him, they heard him speaking about out of your bosom, your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Instead of these guards being full with all power to represent, to take back, to take this Christ and put him in a prison cell, instead of arresting Jesus, Jesus arrested them with his words. They came back to their master and he said to them, where is he? Why do you not bring him? Did I not give you full authority and power? They said, we don't know. We don't even understand what we've done. But this we know, there's nobody ever spoke like this man. I've been preaching for almost two months, maybe three now, about the words of our Savior. I really felt the Holy Spirit last week when we talked about the first word spoken in Scripture. If you wasn't here, you might want to get that. When Jesus told his own mom on Mother's Day, I must be about my father's business. But today on Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk to you about how our Savior, how at the last moment of being with his disciples, he left them a bold statement that they did not understand. First of all, Jesus has already demonstrated his greatness and who he was and his deity to those that had left all to follow him. In John 13, we see the, the great illustration of teaching of the professor of all professors telling his students on how to live after he left. 
They didn't understand. In fact, some would go so far to cut off ears because Jesus was letting them know, I've got to go. I've got to be about my father's business. In John 13, he pulls them together and has what a last supper with them. It begins to discuss with them about things to come and how he prayed with them and how one that was sitting in their midst had already betrayed him and that one would eventually leave from the table. But also he took a basin of water and a towel and he began to wash the disciples' feet. I know we don't do that anymore as he did it back then, but it's still a powerful service. How many have ever been a part of an old, what we call foot washing service? To the new people, we just scared them to death. I'm not doing that this morning. But I will tell you, the most powerful services that I've ever been a part of is when people humble themselves in the sight of God and serve somebody else. At that moment, Jesus was letting them know, I've got to tell you a couple things. First of all, I know who you are and I know who's with me. Second of all, I've already prayed for you. Not only have I prayed for you, but I want to show you what I need you to do uh, when I leave. I need you to serve each other. I need you to love each other. I need you to be my hands and my feet. Then after that, he begins to discuss a, a few things. And he says something to them that they did not understand. In John 13 and John 14, he gives them this great thought because he makes this statement. He says, I'm going to leave you. When he says, Tony, that he was going to leave them, they were upset. They didn't understand. And to take up for them, I would have been upset too. I had forsook everything, forsaken everything, and I began to follow this Jesus. I left my career and my business, my job and my family. And three years later, just three years later, he now pulls me in a back room and he begins to discuss this thing about washing feet and becoming a humble servant. And then he has the audacity to tell me that he's going to leave me. I didn't come to follow you for you to leave me, Jesus. I didn't leave my home. I can hear Simon Peter saying because he was so boastful. I didn't leave my business in my ships for you to leave me now. But Jesus says to them, I'm gonna leave you, but don't worry about it. I've already prayed for you. I've already spoken to the Father. I'm going back and I'm gonna prepare something for you. I'm gonna build a house for you and it's gonna have many rooms. It's gonna have many rooms for all those to come. Don't worry about it. I, I'm doing things for you that you don't understand. John 14 is about the way that our Father is working this out for them, but they still don't understand. And then he makes this statement, stay with me, please. He makes this statement that some say is the greatest promise of Jesus. He said, not only am I doing these things for you, but I'm telling you this, you're going to do greater things than I've done. Now listen to me. That's a bold statement. When he says, you're going to do greater than what I've done, this man walked on water. How many have ever walked on water? Amen. I've seen one man on the fishing and lightning hit the, the pond one time. I thought he was going to walk on water, but I've never seen really nobody walk on water. How many have laid hands on blinded eyes? I've seen that done. Listen, I've seen eyes open. I've seen healings, but I'm saying in greater measure, sometimes I can understand why the disciples pushed back and said, we don't understand what you're saying. But Jesus was letting them know, I'm working something out that you don't understand. I believe today, Anthony, this, that they could not grasp the moment because the moment moment was bigger than them. Only thing that they do was this. We see soldiers coming. We see those with swords outside. We know that there's going to be these people coming to take our lives and we need you now, Jesus. Don't give us this junk about your leaving. I don't care what you and your father's been talking about. Don't tell me about my mansion one day. I know this. I need you now. I come to preach to somebody this morning. You've been serving God sometime, somewhere along the way. You've tithed. You've been faithful but somewhere along the way there's going to come a storm there's going to come 
come a trial. There goes, there's going to come a crisis in your life and you're going to go to your prayer calls and you're going to say something like this. God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Only thing I know, I've been faithful, but I can't find you right now. I don't see you right now. I hear the preacher say this. All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord that are called according to his purpose. I quoted it. I wrote it. I tweeted it. I put it on Facebook, but I don't see it and I don't feel it. Anybody ever felt like that before? I was kind of like that yesterday, late yesterday night when my wife and I couldn't sleep dealing with an issue in our own life, asking God, God, I've been faithful. I preached three funerals this week. I've been preaching the gospel. I show up every day, but God, there's some things behind the scenes that I don't understand. I don't see you. I don't feel you. I can't find you. I don't need another prayer cloth. I don't need another card in the mail. I don't need nobody else to do anything else for me. I really just wish you would come down right now in my situation and help me work this thing out. Mm, I feel him. You feel him this morning? Look to your neighbor and say, it's Pentecost Sunday. In verse 15, Jesus says, listen, listen, I know you don't get it, but I'm going to give you something called the paraclete. You don't understand what that is. In 1 John 2, it translates to advocate, comforter, uh, strengthener, helper, whatever you want to call it. But he was simply saying, I'm going to leave, but I want you to hear me. But when I leave, I'm going to send somebody, not something, not an it, not a force, not a philosophy, not a formula, not two steps, one step. No, 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 no. I'm going to send you a person. I want you to get that. Who is not me, but just like me, because we're three in one. I want you to understand. If I would have been there, I would have said this, Tish. I don't want anybody else. Don't talk to me about this advocate, comforter, strengthener, helper, abider. I started following you. I want to see you in the flesh. Anybody else ever been like that? Sister Nolan, I want to see her. When she's gone from me, I call her Sister Nolan. I'm in trouble. Oh, my goodness. But you understand what I'm saying. I appreciate the phone. I enjoy the FaceTime. But after three or four days, I kind of might want to hold her hand and go down uh, to Hector's place and, and get an omelet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want to see her because it's something that she can only do there in communication that she cannot do from afar off. That's what the disciples are saying. We don't understand Jesus. What do you mean that you're going to give us in verse 15, that you're going to give us this comfort? First of all, in verse 15, he was letting them know that I'm going to send you a paraclete, another. I'm not going to send him to everybody in the sense He's for everybody, but to those that believe, to every believer in this house, listen to me, to every believer, yes, when you get saved, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You cannot separate the Trinity. You cannot be divided, but there is another work. There is another baptism. It's like filling up a cup of water is full, but that cup is not baptized. But if I take that cup full of water and I take it and put it in a pitcher of water, not only is that cup full, but it's also baptized. Are you with me? Now it's greater measure. He was saying to every believer, I'm going to send somebody to you. And not only am I going to send him to you, in verse 16, he said he's going to abide with you. Somebody say abide. That means he's not going to leave you. He's going to be with you forever. He's going to abide in you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Jesus in the flesh on earth was limited to where he was standing. 
I didn't say he was limited in his deity, but in the body because he had to die in human flesh. He was God man. But the Holy Ghost today is in the house at North Wahala. But somewhere in Papua New Guinea where Tim Johnson has been a missionary, somewhere along the way he set up a house church, a hut church, and somewhere today where his daughter just had their first grandbaby and where his wife makes her way to church, the same Holy Ghost that is here is the same Holy Ghost that is there and he's a are you listening this morning? He abides in me in the pulpit. He abides with me in the ball field. He abides in me at the funeral home when I'm needing words to say. He abides at the graveside when we bury our loved ones. He abides at the hospital when the doctors say that your loved one's not gonna make it through the day. You go somewhere, you find a closet, you find a canteen room, you find a bathroom, you shut yourself up in that bathroom and you say something like this, God, I don't have words. I don't have titles, nor do I have any theological understanding. I just know this, I need your help today. I need the comforter to come here in this hospital and help me in the middle of my storm. He abides. Verse 17. Not only does he abide, but he reveals truth. The Bible said he is a spirit of truth, which means that everything that he does, he cannot lie. So the comforter that abides in the believer who we're full of, not only does he abide, but he will reveal truth to you. I still believe that we can be led by the Spirit. I know that's kind of old school preaching. Just stay with me. I've got to get through this to get where I want to go. But I still believe that we can be led by the Spirit. You don't hear that preached much. You don't hear it talked about much in the New Testament church of today. But the church I came out of, we talked about all the time being led by the Spirit. So we would go to a prayer closet and pray. And some leader would come out of the prayer closet and say, Saints, I haven't heard from God yet. We've got to keep praying. Or they would go back in that prayer closet and come out again and come out and say, the Holy Ghost just said this to us. I'm telling you, two, three Wednesday nights ago now, those of you that are Wednesday night crowd, you would attest to this. We didn't get out of church to 9.30. There was a demonstration of the Holy Ghost that since then we have seen God work. And if you were here, you can attest. If you weren't here, find somebody who was here. But God gave us revelation and demonstration of his power, gave us prophetic word and wisdom, and also dealt with sinners that they might be saved, warning them that they didn't have long, and since then I've done, since then I've done four funerals. Are you listening? He's still the spirit of truth today. He's not willing that none should perish, so when the Holy Ghost shows up, he leads us and guides us to all truth. What is truth? Jesus Christ. He didn't say all truth, he said to the truth. He's not here to discuss formulas and if the earth is round or flat that we're fussing over today. He's here to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ who will save your soul, sanctify you holy, fill you with the Holy Ghost and lead you to new paths for his name's sake. Can somebody say amen? He also says in verse 17, the world cannot have him. He is not for the world because they don't know how to receive him. He is for the believer that will open up his life on Pentecost Sunday to say, God, I need the help of the Holy Ghost. And lastly, he will be in you. It's not the Old Testament moving of the Spirit. It is the New Testament baptism where the Holy Ghost lives inside the believer. I've got good news for somebody today. On your job tomorrow, the help the helper and the help of Almighty God will be on your job to help you get through whatever you've got to get through. On the ball field, in your home, on your job, at the bank, 
When the bill collector calls, am I listening? You don't have to get in the flesh. The helper is there. Don't tell me your Holy Ghost by your tongues and not your actions and your attitude or your love. Oh, I believe in the baptism. I understand the speaking of tongues was filled. The day God baptized me, they carried me home and had to put me in my bed and my daddy did not understand what was going on. Spoke in tongues for two and a half hours. Could not drive home, was carried on. I understand about the baptism and the call of God. But I'm also letting you know today, we need more Pentecostal, Pentecostal believers to live like they have the Holy Ghost instead of telling us and tweeting that they have the Holy Ghost. My last point, I'll close. Not only do these things apply to the believer, but the last point is where I'm gonna preach. Since we have these self-evident truths, he then steps up to the plate and he says, boys, you don't understand. I've told you five truths here and you still don't get it, so let me break it down where you understand. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. My last prayer this morning at the parsonage, I prayed and I felt the Holy Ghost say, you tell them that I've not left them and they're not alone. I don't know who I come to preach to this morning, but the Holy Ghost that's here and the Holy Ghost that abides in us, when Jesus said, I'm going away, you will not see me anymore, but I'm not gonna leave you desolate. I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. He was saying to you, when I get back, I'm gonna send the Holy Ghost to you. And on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound out of heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house. And what Jesus was doing to those disciples, when he told them, I will not make you as orphans, on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 and 1, when he came in that place and filled them with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak in other languages that people could hear in their own language it was a proclamation that he was letting them know that you are not alone but I am with you now and forevermore could you imagine when they saw him thrown in a grave and for those ten days or seven days however you want to dissect it that they had no savior they had no leader so they're staying in an upper room waiting for somebody to guide them, somebody to be Abba, somebody to be Father, somebody to be Jesus, somebody to be Comforter. But when the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost Sunday, and that sound came and cloven tongues set on their head as a fire. And when the first person, the first man, the first woman, I don't know who, maybe it was Matthew, maybe, maybe it was John, I don't know. But when the first one began to prophesy and proclaim and speak in another language, it was Jesus telling them, I have made it back to God the Father and as I told you when I left I would not leave you without a father and I send you myself back now through the power of the Holy Spirit who will live inside of you. You will never ever be alone. The feeling lets us know the day on Pentecost Sunday that we at North Wahala, we are never to ever feel like an orphan. You may not even know who your mother and father is, but I've got good news for you today. Not only do you have a church family, not only do you have pastors and people who love you, you've got a church who loves you, Jesus who died for you, but I'm telling you, there's a spirit of God that'll dwell in a man, that no matter where you go and what you do, he will abide for you, and in the hardest situations of your life, he would walk you through every situation that you come out safe on the other side. 
Acts 2 and 1, it was a proclamation to the 120. You are not orphans. I am with you. Not only then, but Acts 3, 1 through 10, when they were coming back to a gate called Beautiful, and there was a man begging for silver and gold. And one of the men looked down and said, silver and gold have I none, but such I, as I have, I give I thee, take up thy bed. And while it was to a lame man has laid by the gate year after year after year, it was God letting him know no more, son. I'm not gonna leave you like this. I've sent you my men who are no longer in a room praying. My men who are no longer denying that they know me. My men and my women who are no longer scared about what some religion system will do to them but my church my church full of the Holy Ghost is letting you know that they have my power dwelling in them listen to them and you will never be an orphan again in this world Oh, what just Acts 3 goes on? What about Stephen when he was being stoned after preaching the power of Jesus, telling them that this same Jesus that you killed is coming back again? My Bible tells me that they ran upon him and began to bite his flesh, stoning him. But what happened to Stephen? This man wasn't even a preacher. This man may be a deacon or layman. The Bible says, Sister Carolyn, that he saw the heavens open and saw Jesus standing at the right hand side of God. I come to let somebody know you may have cancer in your body this morning. You may have buried a family member this past week. Your child may have disappointed you this past week. But that same God that Stephen saw standing at the right hand side of the Father is the same one making intercession for us right now. He's the paraclete. He's still the same today. Stephen, you are not an orphan. What about those seven sons of Sceva? What about the sorcerer that came against Philip? What about when the power of God came upon Philip and he ran and, and the Ethiopian eunuch was there reading the book of Isaiah and he says, I don't understand. And Philip running in the power of the Holy Spirit began to tell him, this is what that means. That man become to know the Lord as his Savior. He looked over to the man of God and said these words, what can I do to be baptized? Is there anything stopping me from baptism? That was God once again letting the world know you may be in Africa, Ethiopia, or the backside of a desert, but my word will go to those who are hungry. My word will go out to those that need me. There are nobody that should ever be an orphan again because my church is full of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm tired of dead churches. Dry churches that are built upon formulas of man. Two steps, three steps, five steps. Don't preach more than five minutes. Don't let the preacher raise his voice. Have this color light. Do this, this. Do this or that. Nobody's talking about praying anymore. Nobody's talking about fasting. Nobody's talking about this or that. All that pretty church is good until your child's got a, a devil in them. All that's good until your child's laid up in a hospital. I said that. Yes, I, I know we can't talk about that on Sunday morning. Oh, Lord forbid if the pastor, pastor mentions something about a demonic force. Listen, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against wickedness and principalities and darkness that are set up in high places and we come with this new age philosophy that we can pull down the kingdom of darkness by playing cute church and patty cake church and, and dance with church and oh brother Nolan tone it down I come to preach to somebody I need the help of almighty God I need the help of the Holy Ghost Just let me give you a couple more. I, my mind was flooding this morning. What about Saul's conversion? When Saul was killing people, but God said, no, I gotta use him. God will take those who think they've got everything worked out 
and the Holy Ghost will come. Knocked him off his beast in the power of God. I heard one person say, I've never seen nobody. I saw somebody slain in the spirit. That's not of God. You better tell that to Saul. Saul was riding on his beast one day, minding his own business. Had backing by the church of Cleveland, Tennessee to go kill some more so-called Christians. All of a sudden, a light shined out of heaven, knocked him to the ground and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Before that season was over, Saul was led blind to a godly man who began to teach him in the way. After that, Saul began to teach himself upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the next thing you know, he's not only filled with the Holy Ghost, he's telling the Gentile world that we can be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and also filled by the power of God. That's God letting Saul know, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I'm showed up in your life to be your God and to see you do what I've called you to do and what I've formed you to do. You've got many talents, but let me tell you something today. You may not like it, but you'll be all right. Go home and watch Andy Griffith and you'll feel better. I know you can sing and I know you're pretty and I know you've got this and that. You think everything and everybody bows down to you. But let me tell you today, there'll come a storm in your life. There'll come a door that you can't open or a door that you can't shut. There'll come a situation in your life where you've tried all you can do to make it. And you're going to have to realize your muscles can't do it, your looks can't do it, your preacher can't do it, your mama can't do it, and your daddy don't want to do it. But I still know one who's in control. I know a supernatural God who is omnipresent through the power of the Holy Ghost who can open doors and shut doors and guide men and women like when he told Paul, you can't go there. No, no, I know you want to go to that city, but I've got another city. Hold on, I'm going to give you a vision in the night and you'll see somebody standing calling you to a certain place. Brother Nolan, you still believe God gives dreams and visions? You better believe I do. In my own life, my ministry was saved by a little girl at five years of age who dreamed in the night season who told a story only that she could see at five years of age, who saved my ministry. When grown men and women who should know the voice of God couldn't hear the voice of God, God used a five-year-old in the night to have a dream and get up and say, this is what I saw. Can somebody tell me what it means? And before nightfall, it unfolded just like she said, he is still God and he let me know he would not leave me as an orphan. I come to let somebody know. Let me just go a little bit further. I got four minutes. Not only a Saul conversion, but what about Simon Peter? When God wanted to get to us, he gave him a vision and had another man begin to help him out with that vision. Why? Because God was letting him know, Simon, rise, kill and eat. God, he said, no, God, I've never killed anything unclean. God told Simon, don't you call clean, unclean, what I've gone called clean. It was God letting this Gentile world know to all of us this morning, there was a time that you and I I would not be accepted in upon the household of faith. But now because he made it back to the Father and has given us the blessed Holy Ghost, everybody now can come and say, Jesus, will you save me and my household? We are no longer orphans, but we're friends of God. We're more than friends of God. We're family with God. I know y'all don't do this a lot up here anymore. And some of you still make fun of me, and I understand that. That's a different culture. But Charles, if he's still here, Charles will tell you back in the PD, I couldn't tell you the first name of anybody in my home church. You wanna know why? Because they're all brother and sister. Who is that? That's Brother Baldwin. What's his first name, brother? 
Don't know. That's Brother Holbrooks. It's a little old school, but when I came to the church, they did that. You wanna know why? Because they used to sing a song when we took membership in. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. It's an old song, but they would sing it. Why? Because they realized if it had not been for this demonstration, you and I could not be accepted in the beloved, but because of this, and I could go home. What about Peter's deliverance when they were praying for him and he was in jail and a little girl hears a knock at the door and while they were yet praying, she goes to the door and he says, it's me, let me in. She hollers back, a little girl by the name of Rhoda, she hollers back and says, the guy that you're praying for, he's standing at the door. And they said, no, baby child. No, no, you're seeing a video. She says, no, I don't think so. I think he's at the door. It was God letting him know that if we preach the gospel and do the gospel and work for the gospel, the devil will come against us, but he shall not prosper. He shall not keep us in bondage. He may keep the word from going forth for a season, but sooner or later, the power of the Holy Ghost will break through like a flood, and he will flood this community for the power of God. Stand with me all over this house this morning. Oh, I could go on. Brother Ed, what about Paul at Lystra? When they stoned him or left him for dead and they said, you'll never preach in this city again. But my Bible tells me that the Holy Ghost came upon him and he got back up and went back to the same city. And somebody said, I hear a voice echoing out through the hall. And he said, yes, it's the same man that you killed. They said, no, no, it can't be. We left him dead. Let me tell you, God will raise up some dead things in your life today if you will let him. God will bring some things back to your life today if you will let him and trust the power of almighty God. There's more things I could go. I'm not going to stop. You don't want me to stop. If you do, you should pray. What about on this? Later on, they would send Paul out to do ministry. He would get to a place where a ship would be tossed all about, get on the other side and put his hand warming up by fire. The Bible tells me that a snake, a viper latched on his hand. All those men looked at him and said, this man's full of the devil. This man's gonna die and this is the judgment of God and he will die. That's what it said, TJ. Paul shook that thing off. All of a sudden, they watched him. They were like this, brother. They were waiting on him to die. They're looking at their watch. Oh yeah, he's, he's about to die. I feel the Holy Ghost. They look and saying, he should be dead, but give him two more minutes. My, my watch must be slow. They're on Wahala time. Let me, let me hold on. 30 minutes later, they realize he should be dead by now. So they said, you know what? Maybe this guy's not full of the devil. Maybe he's God or he's like a God. Let us worship him. Paul said, don't worship me, baby. I'm a man just like you are. You know what that was? That was God letting somebody know it doesn't matter what the enemy has done to you, how he's latched on your family, how he's latched on your finances, how he's latched on you trying to destroy you. You shake that thing off today in the power of Almighty God and you realize it's not over until God says it's over. God's got the final say-so over your life. God's got the final word over your life. I'll come against somebody out of that doom and gloom. Somebody, you've been in a night season for too long. Let me give one more anthem. Paul and Silas is there praying at midnight, locked up away from everybody. And somebody looks over and Silas says to him, Paul, what are we going to do? We're left here naked. Our backs are cut open. What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's sing praises to Almighty God. They begin to sing praises and God got in that room with them. The earth began to shake. The jailer got saved. God let them free and walk out. Let me tell you, he's the same God today and he'll set you free. You are not an orphan. 
do away with that nonsense. Do away with it. I'm tired of people telling me about how it's dead and it's over. It's dead and over because we want it to be dead and over. You can't get home every Sunday at 11.55 and have God. There's going to come a Sunday sooner or later that you're going to have to linger for a little bit. I know that's not proper preaching. And you can find something different down the road and so be it. But I know what the Holy Ghost has told me in the night. I come to let somebody know you're not an orphan. He did not leave you by yourself. He's with me, on me, and in me. Father, I have taught your word. I set this up, hopefully, in a way they would understand. And if they do not, it is not on them, it is on me. Sometimes I do get excited, but I feel like I have something to get excited about. Father, I, I read that over and over. You told them, boys, I'm not going to leave you desolate as an orphan, but I am going to send you the paraclete. He's just like me. In fact, he won't speak his own knowledge He's going to speak what I speak because we're one. He will be my fingerprint in your life. And because of that, you will do greater works. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's somebody in this house that says, Pastor, I feel like I've been in a night season all by myself. And I need the help of the Holy Ghost. Would you step out right now? Right now, right now, don't wait. I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to beg. But if you need the help of the Holy Ghost, you said, I have been in a night season. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. If you said in your spirit, I, oh, I thought we were getting out of here, but people are coming. Yes, they are. You should be excited. You should be excited. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. The night season. You're not alone. Sister, you're not alone. Joe, you're not alone. Sister Collins, you're not alone. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God the biggest hand of praise for these that are coming. <laughs> Holy Ghost. Would you lift your hand just for a moment? Breathe in this house. Blow again. You told me in a prayer room a few weeks ago that the wind's going to blow again. It's been blowing on Wednesday nights, but God, right now, blow in this house if you desire because we desire the moving of the Holy Ghost. God, we're not afraid to see lives changed. We're not afraid. We're not asking God for flesh. We're not trying to work anything up. But God, here in the lives of these people, would you blow in this house one more time? Oh, comforter. Come, come, come. You are welcome in this place. We do not shun you or hide you. We welcome you in the house of the Lord. It is your house, God, the people's house that belongs to you, God. Would you come in Jesus' name? Stretch your hand this way as they begin to sing. Let's worship and watch God move. I need prayer warriors. Prayer warriors, ladies and men, come help me, please. Sing.